0: friends this sermon is about the Lord's church is Christ divided obviously he cannot be but the Lord's church is not like any man made church it's the pre-denominational church there's a big difference between the pre-denominational church and the different denominations you find throughout the world Now, Paul referred to this in his letter to the church at Ephesus. And here we find these words in chapter 4, beginning with the first verse. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and one Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 3. Paul isn't playing about, is he? He makes it quite clear that we are one in Christ, not many. And this should be of interest to anyone who is trying to go to heaven. We're going to use the Bible. What else? There's nothing else to use when determining the will of God, is there? To answer the question, is Christ divided? Is denominationalism wrong? If the passage we just read in Ephesians chapter 4 teaches us anything at all, it's that the people of God are to stand together in unity. And yet there is a religious division all over the world today, isn't there? And this raises an important question. Why is it necessary to have so many denominational bodies in the world? Why is it necessary to have so many divisions, religiously speaking? Certainly, I think it can be easily understood that in view of the teaching of the Holy Bible, we don't need all of those religious bodies these denominational institutions. So the question confronting us this evening is this. When it comes to religious division, is what is wrong with it? Well, according to some of the latest figures, there are approximately 3,300 different kinds of religious bodies or denominations in the United States alone. Since most people will admit that they're not needed, Surely we must ask the question, well, what is wrong with it? Denominationalism is here. It's been here for a long, long time. Men have embraced it. Is it wrong or is it right? Does the Bible answer that question? And if it does, then we need to investigate what God's word teaches and get at the core, the very heart, the center of these things. Because our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, said in John 8, 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How do we know the truth? Are we waiting for one of these TV evangelists to get a special revelation from God? Or are we waiting to open the Bible and see what God has to say? See what God has had to say for thousands of years. Now I want to call your attention to the fact that we're not interested in what men think. We want to know what God says. So when it comes to this question as to whether or not denominationalism is right or wrong, we must go to the Bible. So in the first place, I think we should realize that as far as the Bible is concerned, it is silent as the tomb about denominationalism. There are those who would contend, therefore, that we shouldn't say anything about it. And since denominationalism is not in the Bible, we shouldn't mention it. It is true that the word itself is not in the Bible, but we still need to see if it's right or wrong when it comes to what the Lord teaches. Now, since denominationalism clearly exists in the world and the Bible says nothing about it, then we can be assured of the fact that it exists without biblical authority. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 16 and verse 18, Upon this rock will I build my church. Not your church or your church. My church, meaning Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But there are those who say that of all of these religious institutions... They all make up the grand and glorious universal church of our Lord. But do they? Hmm. How can they when there's so many contradictions that are going on? Brethren, I'm going to tell you today what I've got to build a church. This. I've got the Bible. That's all I've got. And that's all I need because against this, the gates of hell cannot stand. This is power. Power. It's the truth. I live by it. I fight by it. I will die by it. And there are no idle words. The word of God is sacred and powerful. It is a mighty tool. And if the church is not built upon the word of God, it is not worth the name that's written on the building. See, our God is a holy God. Yes, there are those who say that all these religious institutions gathered together make up the church of God on earth. But if that's true, how can you justify all the religious divisions when some say you can have babies getting baptised? Do you know what happens when a baby gets baptised into a church? Where is its decision? The choice is taken away from it. It has no choice in the matter. It is not a legitimate baptism. Not according to the Bible. And that's just one example. Some churches teach that it's okay to pray to a statue. It's not what the Bible says. Some churches teach it's not okay for you to read the Bible. Or if you do read the Bible, it must be interpreted by study guides given to you by so-called learned men. Many of them are these same people you will see on television saying, God gave me a vision. I need a second airliner. (laughs) That's not in the word of God. If so, then here's the picture. That upon the vine, Jesus Christ, we have all kinds of fruits growing in the religious world of today. I would love to see a vine that is producing grapes, watermelons, squash, etc. All on it at the same time, at the same vine. And I'm sure you would too, wouldn't it save a lot of time? But we don't see that, do we? because it's not there according to God's law. We all know that you can't grow watermelons on a grape or apples on an orange tree. And the same thing is true religiously. My mentor, brother, Ken Burleson, was once accused of stealing sheep. You're stealing sheep, you water dog, they said to him. And he said, I'm not stealing sheep. I'm stealing goats and turning them into sheep. They didn't like it, but it was the truth. People today who teach that denominationalism, denominationalism, it's a bad word to begin with, it should be executed, is simply a mixture of all these different fruits, all growing on the same vine. And they're presenting something that could not happen in the natural world, and therefore could not happen spiritually, because it would be a violation of the natural law of God. So denominationalism exists without authority. Think about it. When Jesus said, all authority or power hath been given unto me, Matthew 28, 18, he was presenting the fact that he had delegated unto him authority from Almighty God. Authority both in heaven and in earth. We cannot find, therefore, anywhere in the New Testament, whereby this authority, our Saviour, authorize, has authorised the existence of denominational systems and doctrines with different conditions for entrance into his kingdom depending on what church building you go into now i like diversity i'm sure you do too especially when it comes to food i like when i go to mcdonald's i know i can get a big mac there but i can't get the big mac in pizza hut and i can't get a pizza hut pizza or domino's pizza over in in burger king But that's not what God is offering. He's not offering choice. It's not as if he's saying to you, oh, well, you can choose to worship me in one church, but if you worship Allah in in a mosque, that's okay. You're going to heaven too. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter what church you go to. If you choose to believe that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, as is written in the Bible, that's wonderful. But if you choose to believe that the Pope is the voice of God on earth, well, that's okay too. That's not what the Bible says. We're one kingdom. It's not even an empire. You know, an empire is made up of many different countries joined together. But a kingdom is a single country. And that's why people wonder. You look at the United States. It's not the United State. It's the United States. You look at the United Kingdom, way over there where I originally came from. I've got a foot in both sides of the Atlantic now, thank God. Praise God. But it's the United Kingdom, not kingdoms. Even though you have England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, different countries united in a single kingdom because it's a single crown. And that's what's happening. It is not, it is not a multi-choice proposition. You go through Christ in the way that he is prescribed or you don't go there at all. When I became a citizen of the United States, I had to go through a certain level of stages. I had to do it right. I had to take certain tests. Now, I could have just said, I'm a citizen and and that's it, but that wouldn't have been so. I wouldn't have been a citizen. And many people will say that they're Christians, but they haven't gone through the prescribed method of becoming a citizen, a subject of Jesus Christ and his kingdom, which is baptism. And you will, you will always have opposition. As a recent immigrant, I've even had opposition from people saying, you're stealing our jobs. I said, no, I became an American. I made a job. And people saying, oh, we don't want you over here. I said, well, you were born here. You were lucky enough to be born here. They had to take you. They chose me. <laughs> Christ will choose you. If you choose him and follow his paths. Have you ever thought about the motive of Jesus Christ in establishing his church? Because he had a motive in doing it. And it was a very important one. In the New Testament, Jesus said, I will build my church. Not different churches. A single church. I'm not talking about the buildings. The church of Christ are all the Christians in the world. Doesn't matter where they are. We're all one in Jesus Christ. It is not a multiplicity of religious divisions. But upon this rock will I build my church. His motive is surely the motive of impartiality. If Jesus Christ allowed men today to to build churches to the honour of men, to the glory of their own theology, and many have, then there would be just about as many churches as there are people. When the Lord said, upon this rock I will build my church, he used a singular word to describe and define the singularity of his church. And that's why we can say that denominationalism as such exists in the world without the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the next place, the Bible gives us the idea of a house divided. A great many people think that the great president, Abraham Lincoln, was the author of the expression, a house divided against itself, cannot stand. Yet he used this expression in one of his his gracious speeches, but he didn't make it. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the author of it. And we find it recorded over in Matthew 12 and verse 25. And we can think about this quite logically. You know, For instance, when a husband and wife are having problems and they stop caring for one another and they become selfish they can see only their own rights and their own privileges and in spite of the teaching of the word of God they intend to stick to their rights so-called rights and they can see as they conceive of them. Even if it means the tearing up and the breaking down of the home. You see, a house divided against itself cannot stand. The same thing is true in religion. Satan is having a lot of success today because of the division that he himself has fostered in the world. I think all religious people would agree that if we could stand together, it would be a better, safer, surer, more wholesome and make for a better spirit in the world. Well if we can understand that. Then surely we can understand what Jesus said. When he said. What he meant what he said. When he said a house divided against itself. Divided cannot stand. Matthew 12:25. Over in the gospel account of John chapter 17 and verse 20. Our Saviour lifted up his eyes and prayed to God in heaven for his blessings to reside upon his apostles, whom he had chosen to preach his word throughout the world, upon their preaching, upon their efforts to convert the world. And then he prayed for those of us who live today. And this is what he said. Neither pray I for these alone, that is, my apostles and disciples, whom I have chosen but for them also, which shall believe on me throughout their word. That's talking about you and me. That they all may be a great many different denominations. Is that what he said? That they may be three or four or ten, twelve different tribes? No, one, one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. What does division amongst the Lord's church show to the world? It's not a good example, is it? And see, here we have Jesus Christ opening the door of our understanding as to why so many people don't believe. And that is because of the sad situation brought on by religious division. He prayed that we might all be one, that we might stand together in unity in his name, one cause, one God, one church, one love for the world. That the world might believe that God sent him. Division lets the Lord down. And that's a heartbreaking thought, isn't it? I knew one church that they divided over the silliest of things. Some of the members wanted a, a blue songbook. And some of the members wanted a red hymn book. That is a silly thing to get worked up about. But they did. And they split and it was somewhere over near Jacksonville. Again the Lord said in John 8 verse 31. If you continue in my word. Then are ye my disciples indeed. So to be his followers indeed, we must continue in his word. We don't just do it once. We walk in his ways. That is walking righteously, rightfully in the sight of God. Now let's put two and two together. Jesus prayed for those who believe on him to be one. He stated that a person is truly his disciple when he follows the word of the Lord, when he abides by the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, our Saviour taught unity. The religious theologies of our day teach division. Our Saviour prayed for unity, and many religious leaders pray today, thanking God for division. Shocking, but it's true. And as our saviour said in John eight thirty one, a man is truly my disciple if he continues in my word. Not in the word of some man, not in the word of some doctor of divinity, not in the word of some so-called outstanding scholar. A man is truly my disciple if he continues in my word. I don't care if a man has the best right up possible in the evangelical times. If he's not preaching the word of God, he is not God's man. He's his own man, actually. He's the devil's man. Now the word of Christ is the word for unity, not division. Therefore denomination, denominationalism, I hate that word, <laughs> stands condemned it stands condemned in scripture because it breaks the principle of unity rather than obeying. It goes against the commandments of Christ Jesus. And what's the result? 3,300 different religious bodies, minimum. There's new ones all the time. All claiming to be following the same Christ, serving the same God and headed in the same direction. When our Saviour prayed that we might all be one, and that we are indeed his disciples if we follow his teachings. Friends, it just doesn't add up, does it? But then again, the Bible says that we are to speak the same thing. Is this what we find in denominations? Denomination exists today because those who claim to follow Christ do not speak the same thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we learn of a division that had gotten under the way in the church, underway in, the church in Corinth. And this division was somewhat similar to the divisions that we have in the religious world today. Paul illustrated it so well by suggesting that some were followers of Paul, and some of Caiaphas, and some of Apollos, and some of Christ. Thus they were divided. Today we have multitudes following the teachings of men who created their own churches. They needed to create their own creed books, and they needed to edit the Bible. suit their creed books this is nothing new this has been going on for thousands of years and so we have a pretty good comparison between what is happening today and what happened in the church in the city of Corinth then Paul said in first Corinthians 1 and verse 10 I beseech you brethren by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Those who are today dedicated to honouring and glorifying the memory of some man are labouring to do that which the men themselves would condemn if they stood in our presence at this very moment. The great reformers of the past and were those who attempted to restore Christianity. Of all things... They did not want men to wear their names. Religiously speaking, not at all. Nor to follow anything that they might have presented that was untrue. Luther, Wesley, Knox, Calvin, Cranmer, Wycliffe and Campbell would be disgusted if they seen some of the things which are happening in the world today. Luther told his followers, don't call yourselves Lutherans you fools, I didn't die on the cross for you. Luther was very outspoken. You should do a study of him. You'd be surprised. He did turn the sky blue in German, but he did. No, you see, they wanted people to search the scriptures, to learn from the word of God, those things that God would have us to do and to be. And let me add this. That regardless of how great these men who have made up much of the religious history may have been, not a single one of them was crucified for us. Not one of them. Paul asked this question in the 1st Corinthians chapter 1. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 13. My friends, if you have not been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, you have not been baptized into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have seen people be baptized into our faith community. Show me, where's that in the Bible? Baptized into your faith community? Keep it. I'll be baptized into Christ, thank you. And when he was saying What he was saying was that Paul was not crucified for you, but Christ Jesus was. Therefore, you are not to be a follower of Paul. You are to be a follower of Christ. And that's the idea, to wear the name of the men who work to restore Christianity does not honor them as servants of God. On the other hand, it dishonors God. It dishonors them. Dishonors him. Religious division as we see it today, is a tragedy, not a blessing. It is viewed from the, as it is viewed from the standpoint of the Bible, it is a thing that creates trouble instead of bringing about peace. One of Paul's final exhortations to the church in Corinth was that they should all be of one mind, 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. God's people are to walk by the same rule. And what is that rule? It is the word of God. It is not the opinions of men. It is not to suit the ambitions or the egos of men. It is to honour God in its entirety. They are to mind the same things, Philippians 3.16. There is to be no division among them and we need to believe what the Bible teaches and put it into operation. Among all of this religious division that we see in the world today and there's so much of it, The Lord's Church stands forth. We are different. We must be different. We must be seen as being different or people will think you're just another brand of candy in Walmart to pick up. And you can change it if you like. I once heard a woman saying she was going to one church. I believe she was going to the Methodist Church. But she decided not to go there anymore. She decided to go to the Baptist Church instead. And was it because of what they taught? Was it because they did some Bible study and she was convinced it was the truth? No, it's a prettier building. It's a prettier building, honest to God. I could have fainted only I was sitting there. But that's the attitude of people. They don't think there's any difference. There's no difference. There's no difference between the Lord's church and the Jehovah's Witnesses. The Bible makes it quite clear that there is. And we must stand for the truth of God's word. We are different. We stand out. We are the bride of Christ. We are the guardians of the word of God. And if we do not stand for it, then who will? Among all of this religious division that we see, the Lord's church is different. Believe me, I searched long and hard I wouldn't be here if I did not believe it. We must, in order to be saved, do what he has commanded us to do. The Bible says, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Revelation twenty-two fourteen. That's what the Bible says. Whereas sectarianism makes a mockery of the prayer of Jesus Christ. True biblical Christianity makes it a blessing to the human family. There is one body, so teaches the word of God. One church, doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter the colour of your skin, if you're a Gentile or a Jew like our Lord himself, or a Samaritan even. It doesn't matter where you come from. If you're a Christian and baptized into Christ, you are in Christ. There's one church worldwide and the borders put up by humanity mean nothing at all. We are united by the language of the love of God, enriching our lives and changing the human race. Back into the image of God, the image of decency in this world. There are many members, but one body, so says the Bible. People don't argue about there being more than one God, do they? More than one Lord, more than one Holy Spirit. In the same passage where it said there is one God, Father of all, one Lord, one Spirit. In the same passage, it also says in Ephesians 4 verse 4, there is one body. And that one body, according to Paul's statement in Ephesians, is the bride of Christ. The church, the called out, ekklesia in the Greek. And you know, no matter what word in Greek is used to describe the church, singular or plural, whatever, it's always feminine. Because we are his bride. And as his bride, we should keep ourselves. We should be beautiful for the world to say. Not a wreck bringing dishonor upon our Lord. We build the church of Christ upon the sacred word of God, or not at all. Therefore, without a doubt, the Bible teaches the existence of one church. And it's by the authority of our one Lord, Jesus Christ. There are not a great many different Jesus Christ's, are there? There's not a different Christ for each continent, for each country, for each person. There's one Lord. He is the big man. The only big man, the alpha male par excellence, the greatest man that has ever lived. There's no room for Mr. Bossy Boots. No room for the seeker of preeminence. Don't be a tool of Satan. I do not rule here. There are many churches where you will go in and you will see the preacher is adored. And they say, go ask the preacher. The preacher knows it all. No, he doesn't. I'm a preacher, I'll tell you. I don't know it all. I've been studying for years and years and I am still learning new things. In fact, I even challenge you to challenge me on what I teach just in case I got it wrong. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Only God rules because God will judge us for our actions. Christ rules through his infallible word. It's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His commands stand unrevoked for all those who claim to worship God. I would be unfair, unkind and ungodly if I did not declare unto you this part of the counsel of God Almighty. Therefore, if we stand condemned today because of our religious division, it's not because of what some man may have thought that he ought to preach about, but rather it is that the word of, what the word of God says about it. Because the word of God is the only thing that could possibly condemn our activities without question. Religious division has brought about sadness. It has brought about trouble. It is sinful and we see it all around us. Religious division is also wasteful. Think of all the fine church buildings. The exquisite architecture that has gone into cathedrals. If you've never been into a cathedral, you would be stunned at the size of these buildings. These buildings took generations to build. They're incredibly beautiful. They're overwhelming. You see some of the beautiful tabernacles and so on in which men have attempted to honor God. And yet they've preached doctrines which the word of God does not teach. Think of all the money that has been poured into brick and mortar to honour some doctrine about which the Bible is absolutely silent, except to condemn it. If all that money that had been turned toward preaching the truth as it is in the Bible, then truly even in our day, the gospel would have been preached unto all the world. We also see the tragedy of religious division when we see homes divided and souls lost. Mothers and fathers and precious little children go their various and sundry sundry ways in attempting to worship God. Father goes in one direction, mother in another direction, all because of religious division. How beautiful it would be for families to be working in the faith, following the rule of the word of God, worshipping in the spirit and in truth. You see, the Bible, the word of God, is the truth. The truth is that to which you and I must believe, adhere to, obey, if we are to expect to go to heaven when we die. The simple fact is, if you are not a Christian, the word of God teaches you that you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart. Repent of every sin, confess the name of Jesus Christ before men, And then be buried with Christ in baptism in order that your sins may be forgiven. That's what the scriptures teach. Don't bother looking for the sinner's prayer. You'll not find it. It's not there. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what the word of God tells us. This is what it teaches in order that you might become a Christian. Then you may say to anybody anywhere when they ask you the question concerning your religious status and you can say, I am a Christian. I am a Christian as the word of God teaches me to be a Christian. I am a member of the one body that Jesus Christ talked about. In Mark 16, 16, the Lord said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Those are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He didn't say, he that believeth and says a prayer, puts his hand up, sends the right cheque to the right person on television, is going to go to heaven. He that believes and is baptised, that rules out babies, they're too young to make a decision. It has to be a personal decision. You're not a Christian because your parents were. It's not second-hand faith. It is an individual declaration of loyalty to the king and to his kingdom. If you have never obeyed the gospel according to scripture, I beg of you, do so now while yet you may. And if you're a member of the Lord's church and you need our prayers in any way, we are here for you as we stand and sing our song of invitation. And may the Lord be with you all.